first just say thank you guys for <laughs> subscribing to the podcast and watching the YouTube videos and participating in the chats on the um, on the premieres I don't know when I'm going to do those I know they're just going to come out every Thursday but I try to put a little bit more content in the videos uh, or the YouTube video version of the podcast but it just depends on when I get it done you <laughs> know I'm a one woman show but um, I will try I was trying to premiere them the night before so the Wednesday night before but sometimes it just doesn't work out, you know. So um, I found a little bit more, you know, engagement on, you know, Thursdays if I release them in the afternoon or early afternoon. So I think I might try to do that. Uh, so, well, if you're hearing this, you're probably already watching the YouTube video. But I'm just saying, if you just listen to the podcast, um, if you want to participate in the chats, those happen on YouTube, the live chats. And, um, yeah, thank you guys. That's always really interesting just to kind of hear you guys' take on the latest news coming out of, um, England. So with that, I want to go ahead and move into the charity spotlight for the week. The Diana award is in the spotlight this week. Harry will actually be attending an event next week, um, in the first week of July, uh, at an award summit for the Diana Award, and I'll be sure to come back to that. But who are the Diana Award? Well, here's a statement from the website. Our mission is to foster, develop, and inspire positive change in the lives of young people. We're proud to be the only charity set up in the memory of Diana, the Princess of Wales, and her belief that young people have the power to change the world. It's a big mission but there are two things within that that we focus our charity's efforts on, young people and change. Throughout all of our programs and initiatives, change for and by young people is central. Our anti-bullying work encourages change in attitudes and behaviors for young people by young people. Our mentoring schemes guide change for some of the UK's most vulnerable young people and our flagship award program recognizes the young people driving selfless change across the world. What I like is that the Diana Award has three main entities or three main programs within it. Uh, and it's very simple. The first one is the award itself. Uh, the mentoring program is the second one where you can actually sign up to mentor a young person. And then the third program is their anti-bullying program, which involves a number of different projects aimed at reducing bullying in schools. We know how much of a big deal that is. So one of their main projects uh, for the anti-bullying segment or portion of the, the charity, one of their main projects is anti-bullying ambassadors program that they have, uh, which has trained over 24,000 young people across the UK, you know, and they lead anti-bullying campaigns in their own schools. So that's, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, so what is the Diana Award? Well, it is established in the memory of Diana, the Princess of Wales. And the Diana Award is the most prestigious accolade a young person aged 9 to 25 can receive for the social action of their humanitarian work. So it is the longest running award for young people that is given to individuals and groups through a retrospective nomination process only. And that's actually special because the young person who wins the award 
they don't work toward the award. Like they don't work to try to win the award. Rather, they have already demonstrated their suitability through their actions without any expectation of the award. So they're given the award because of their actions as opposed to tailoring their actions so that they can take home an award. That's dope. You can get involved by doing a number of things like nominating a young person for the award. If you know someone who's doing big things between those two ages, ages of nine and 25, doing big things to help possibly impact the lives of other young people around them. You can nominate someone or you can volunteer yourself or apply really to become a mentor for a young person. Um, You can join the Diana award team. You can shop at their store. If you go to the website, you'll see a link for the online store. They actually sell a lot of nifty little things that I like. They have a, um, they have like Diana award pins. They have badges, they have um, tote bags. So just go in there, look around, check out their blog. They have a blog listing some of the past winners and what they did to win the award. Again, the Diana Award believes in the power of young people to become game changers and it gives them support not only to do that, but to create more young leaders. So go to diana-award.org.uk to read some of the stories and meet some of the young people behind them. I think it's awesome that Diana's legacy continues to shine on in so many ways And this is just one of them. Now, dreadfully, we move on to the rubbish heap. So this week, the annual Royal Accounts Report dropped. It's called the Sovereign Grant Report. And the only thing people seem to care about is a certain 2.4 million pounds. Yes, that's all. 2.4 million pounds. Now, details were being shared about the whole report because it's a public document. You know, it's kind of like congressional fiscal budget or something. So, well, sort of, sort of. But it's a public document. Everybody has access to it. I'll actually even put in the link. But um, in essence, the report shows the monarchy's cost to the taxpayers. In this last report, it was 67 million pounds during the 2018-2019 report. Uh, I guess it goes from March to March. So uh, that's an increase of almost 20 million pounds from the previous financial year. That's a that's a big increase, by the way. (laughs) That's more than 20% increase. By the way, okay. And ain't nobody griping about that. But anyway, As stated in the report, a large amount of that rise was due to the refurbishment work being done at Buckingham Palace and other, you know, maintaining other royal properties. Nobody takes issue with that. And to be honest, nobody should be surprised because you know how much property the royal family has. They got a lot. And it's not just property. It's big, big, big whole ass buildings I wouldn't even call them homes but you know people live in them but it's a bunch of other stuff too but it's sitting on a lot of land and it takes a lot of maintenance year after year after year because you have to upkeep these properties so the majority of the budget the 67 million pounds went toward two things payroll costs and property maintenance 
Makes sense. When we're talking about like lots and lots of people to pay and lots of old and again, quite large properties that sit on lots of land, this is to be expected. But there was truly only one property people wanted to be fake outraged about. And let's face it, that shit was so fake. Just fakety, fakety, fake. Nobody really cares about the 2.4 million pounds allocated toward Frogmore Cottage. In the entire budget, there were 176 projects that cost 6,000 pounds or more. Okay, cool. 13 costed 300,000 pounds, 350,000 pounds actually, or more. And together, all of those projects accounted for a full 61% of the total spending across the estate. So the first one that's listed, if you actually look at the budget, it's a PDF. The most expensive out of, you know, the ones that cost more than $350,000 is Frogmore Cottage. Again, it costs 2.4, not dollars. Sorry. Got to get used to saying pounds. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. If I say dollars, just forget it and just put pounds in there. But, um, <laughs> um, but Frogmore Cottage being the one that cost the most a single project aside right from Buckingham Palace um it's listed first so it's time for outrage y'all even though the total budget frames it as the entire budget costing the taxpayer one pound 24 pence that's it one pound 24 pence for the whole year. And when you do the math, taking into account the 2.4 million pounds spent on Frogmore Cottage, the average taxpayer contributed less than five pence toward that, that one project that everybody's screaming about. And if you didn't know better, you wouldn't know that just by looking at some of the headlines. And I mean, these people really did have a time with that. Like, over the last few days, we saw paper after paper publishing blaring headlines as if Harry and Meghan went out Bonnie and Clyde style and put a gun to somebody's head and say, give it up. We want that. But the truth is, Harry and Meghan aren't taking any money from anybody. Right? And as a matter of fact, She's bringing in way more money to England than the taxpayers are actually contributing to her and her living circumstances. You know, which, by the way, Frogmore Cottage belongs to the crown. Doesn't even belong to Megan. They're just tenants of the place. So a couple things. Frogmore Cottage, again, it belongs to the crown. It's not like they went out, pointed to a house that they like and told the queen that one. Yeah, we want that one. They didn't do that. They're tenants, you know? I know we know that, but it's just like, how dumb can some people be? I know that's kind of a harsh word, but it's actually kind of too nice, you know? But like, how silly are people? It was already owned by the queen and it was given to them as a gift, you know? Just how she gave Anmer Hall to Will and Kate. Like, I mean, I don't know if it's the exact same circumstance, 
but it ain't like either one of those properties are going to leave the royal family ever, or at least not for a very long time. And in 200 years, when no one who is a royal today will be alive, Frogmore Cottage will still belong to the crown, whoever that person is. Meghan and Harry are, again, they're just tenants. So, like, just as the Queen and Philip are tenants of Buckingham Palace. And if the monarchy is still around in 200 years, which I highly doubt if you ask me, but um, I'll be dead. So who cares? But if the monarchy is still around in 200 years, every single one of those properties will still have ownership by the crown, but they'll have different tenants. And really, they only care about that one tenant. And we know why that is. Secondly, Frogmore Cottage was due for renovations anyway. And with Harry and Meghan waiting to get the whole entire hell away from snitches and witches and Kensington Palace, why not go ahead and renovate it and complete the renovations that need completing? Instead of the five flats, turn it into one home. For the two people who are keeping the royal family relevant in the 21st century. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty small price to pay. <laughs> they are keeping the royal family afloat. Let them live where they want to live. But it shouldn't be falling apart when they move in. Like, that's a very small price to pay. So while these hoes are celebrating that Harry and Meghan were moving from Windsor, way back when it was, you know, shared that they were moving to Frogmore Cottage, calling it some kind of banishment from the Queen, they failed to realize that had the Sussexes actually stayed in London and moved next door to the Cambridges, um... I believe the apartment they would have moved into would have had many more rooms than Frogmore Cottage. And I think the renovation costs would have been far more than $2 million spent on their current home. So let it be apparent that these people are going to complain anyway. The people who are complaining, fake outrage, like the fake mad folks. Um, but it's not about the thing that they're complaining about. It's about the person. And that person ain't Harry. That's why it's annoying. Because we know they don't really care. And thirdly, Harry and Meghan paid a lot of money to customize their house. Because for all intents and purposes, it is their house while they're living in it. It ain't like somebody gonna come and kick them out. Now, it doesn't say specifically what they paid because that that's their personal finance. Like that would be completely out of line to publish that. But they paid a lot. I don't imagine that it would be cheap for anybody. So unless you just, but then again, Megan is a millionaire. So, um, but it's not like they just sat back and waited for, you know, the tax dollars to roll on in. So, but that's how it's being portrayed. Here they are preparing for the birth of their son, the arrival of their son, the expansion of their family. They have the right to customize their home, right? That's where they live. But contrary to the headlines, they didn't demand anything from the taxpayers or the queen. No more than anybody else in the royal family demanded for the renovation of their own immense homes. You know, some of those homes Actually, all of those homes 
dwarf Frogmore Cottage, if we're being really real. For example, Prince Andrew, the one who hangs out, well, let's not go there. But, because it's just not relevant, but... (laughs) You already know how I'm going to go with it. But um yeah, so the but he he lives with his ex-wife, Fergie, right? Uh in a 30-room home called the Royal Lodge, which has been in the family for a long time. Um it was in the family when Queen Elizabeth's dad was a king. So imagine the upkeep on that though. Year after year. Again, what about Anmer Hall? That house is huge. It's big. Just Google it. It's enormous, bro. You know what I'm saying? That was the gift from the queen for Will and Kate. That's where they all hung out with the Chumleys in the country. Correct? Did I lie? So the Cambridges, they still occupy that sometimes. You know, I guess when they're not in London, but they want to be in England. That's where they go when they really don't want to work. The upkeep on that property is year round and I'm sure pretty costly and again to be expected but Will and Kate also live at Kensington Palace in apartment A1 which is a 20 room house down the street from Clarence house which is also many many rooms and that's down the street from Buckingham Palace where the queen lives and in fact again most of the money from the budget was allocated toward sprucing up Buckingham Palace, giving it its much-needed renovations. It's a huge structure. Obviously, that's something that probably should be done. Um, But y'all worried about a four-bedroom cottage in Windsor? Like, not even in London? And actually, compared, again, to the Royal Lodge, Amher Hall, Clarence House, Apartment 1A, and Buckingham Palace, it really is a cottage. When they first moved there, everybody was like, oh, wow, that's that's a big old mansion. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't even know what constitutes as a mansion, but compared to where the Queen's children and, you know, heirs are living, um, it's a cottage. And these people don't give a single damn about the upgrades to that cottage. They they don't care. They're pretending to care. They care about as much about Frogmore Cottage as American Republicans cared about Obama going out and playing golf. For real. Meanwhile, Trump has spent, I believe it's up to like 188 days of his less than three year, you know, tenure as president playing golf and not even playing golf in Maryland or DC or Virginia. He go all the way to Florida to play golf. He hop on air force one to go play some goddamn golf, but not now one of those Republicans complaining about Barack Obama hopping on air force one to go on Christmas vacation in Hawaii, where he's from and happens to play around the golf. They're complaining about tax tax dollars. They haven't said a peep about Trump going to Florida every couple of days to play golf. That's all he do, but they don't care. So these people do not care about Frogmore cottage. They don't care about the budget. They don't care about 
anything in the budget. Maybe some people do who are, you know, maybe they're the camp of, you know, we really don't need the royal family. These people are leeches. Why are they there? We could, you know, spend so much money doing A, B, and C. Okay, maybe they care. But the people who actually hate Megan, the people who spend all of their time, all of their angst <laughs> focused on Megan, they don't give a damn about the budget. They care about maintaining racist double standards. That's what they truly care about. And that's one of the ways how racism works. When the royal family spends a million pounds of taxpayer dollars on a driveway and nobody says anything about it or it's a footnote and it gets ignored for the most part, that's a, that's a double standard. They don't care. So how can you expect me to think you care about $2.4 million renovating a house where people actually live? And the headlines say nothing about literally anything else in the budget. Like any other cost, they're all about Frogmore Cottage. I find it ridiculous at this point. Like they see Megan, they write a headline. Really, Megan doesn't take money from taxpayers. The royal family as a whole does. They're not taking food out of anybody's mouth. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like she's putting food in some people's mouths. And she's keeping a lot of you haters fed and fat. In fact, Megan has brought so much money to the British economy. It sounds like the taxpayers sh should be cutting her a check and saying thank you. Real talk. I know it doesn't work that way. But pay my fucking duchess. She deserves it. <laughs> like, that's how this conversation should be going. It shouldn't be about what people are pretending they sacrificed. Like, oh, you slaved away all day for one pound. No, you didn't. And these misleading headlines, of course, they're zeroing in on Megan because that's what sells the papers. So they boost profits from these rags that I wouldn't even use to pick up Guy the Beagle's turds with. Megan has created jobs. She's kept companies afloat. She has brought in tourism revenue. That is off the chart in just two years time. You know what I'm saying? In fact... I had someone message me telling me that they're going to England this summer because of Megan. Surely they won't be the first person to do that within the last two years. Cut Megan a check, please. That's what we should all be championing. Because this American woman, again, she breathed life into this royal family. Period. So let's do some quick maths two plus two is four minus one less three quick maths because it's really not that hard if the entire budget costs 1.24 pounds okay per year to the average taxpayer to to every taxpayer then we're going to find exactly how much of the taxpayers money went toward frogmore cottage ready okay so the total budget was 67 million pounds. The total bill for Frogmore was 2.4 million pounds. 2.4 million is 3.5% of 67 million. 3.5% of one pound 24 pence is four pence. 
a whole four motherfucking pence. And that's what they paid for a whole family to have an up-to-date place to live in a home away from envious eyes and sinister tongues. That's what these clowns are fake outraged about. Four pence. You know what? Maybe they're outraged that Harry and Meghan aren't cramped up in Nottingham Cottage anymore. That should have been good enough for them, right? Or maybe, you know, they should be somewhere on the streets begging directly to the taxpayers between engagements. Maybe that'll do, (laughs) you know? Or hell, maybe they're mad that any money was spent on Meghan at all. Maybe that's where the outrage comes from. Or maybe, just maybe, they're led by the press. And this is where it becomes kind of dangerous. I kind of talked about that a little bit. But this is where it becomes, you know, it has a little bit more of a darker tone. Because, again, it's just a, it's a, it's a budget. It's a small line in a budget. And it's magnified as if somehow the whole world is about to come to an end. You know, again, most of these buffoons, they don't do a whole lot of thinking for themselves. And I'm talking about the people who buy into those headlines. So when the press gets a chance to feed the racist attitudes and line their pockets, they're going to do that 10 times out of 10 times. You know, for them, it's a winning combination. The bigots get to direct their raw emotion toward the person of color that they have an issue with, right? while ignoring the true cause of their angst. All while the papers are just simply raking in the profits. And if someone isn't truly even trying to think for themselves, they don't even consider that they've only contributed four pence. And they don't even consider the fact that they're a pawn. You know what I'm saying? They're a tool to line somebody else's profits because they know you're stupid enough to buy into it and all they get from it is Meghan Markle is living off of me and they have yet another thing to add to their hate pile it doesn't matter to them that passive-aggressive Emily Andrews just made up lies about the floor plan to Frogmore Cottage months and months ago that doesn't matter that lie served its purpose and when it was told she had already made her profits You know what I mean? Or shortly after, just like I'm sure she and other royal reporters have written and uh, tweeted about the true cost of the Frogmore renovations, as has just been revealed, um, because that involves Megan. And so that means that that's more profit for them because people are going to buy it because they're going to spin it in a way that makes the people who would buy that garbage anyway want to buy it because it feeds their outrage. You see the cycle? That's all it is, is a cycle, but it's an ugly cycle and it's a vicious cycle. You know what I'm saying? And we know this. They tell lies when they have nothing to write. They're snakes. That's my, it's my view. They're snakes. They have very diminutive souls. I'll put it like that. I won't say they don't have souls at all because I don't know these folks, but I do know they lie. They don't care about the cumulative cost of their lies, you know, and their reckless reporting. All they care about is what they make from it. 
just like they didn't care with Diana. And that's why, again, George Clooney has spoken out about it on multiple occasions because underneath it all, it is dangerous. Megan has been on maternity leave since mid-April. And other than the birth of her baby, in a fair and just world, there should be nothing else to write about outside any public appearances that she makes, like when she was at Troop in the Color. But for going on two and a half months, going on three months, really, she's been in the headlines every day. Her name has been, her picture has been just about every day. Lie after lie. All for the clicks. Something is wrong with that. Like something is terribly, terribly wrong with that. But it's such a, it's a thing with so many moving parts that nobody will take any blame. For their contribution even. They're not going to blame themselves. They don't believe in accountability. But yet and still, Megan is still living better than them. You know, and I hope that every time she looks around her newly renovated home where her custom finishes and her technology, I hope she has conversations with her home (laughs) because I think they got a smart home. I hope she just lets out a sigh and laughs at how ridiculous these fools are. And sometimes maybe you do have to laugh to keep from crying, you know, but the British press and those feeding into their lies should be ashamed. Period. Point blank period. You should be ashamed. This woman has brought billions to your economy. Relevance to your national symbol. Relevance. Again. Because nobody was thinking about y'all. Not, not like that. No shade. I think the World Cup run might have been the last time I thought about England. Period. But she's done all of that. And this is how y'all treat her? Something is wrong with y'all. And really, y'all really should be ashamed. But let's move on with an upward. My Duke stays busy. Harry's still out here working. He says paternity leave ain't for me. But my wife gonna take her leave. And I'm gonna be holding it down. Just recently, he was at, it looks like a panel discussion supporting an event in London dedicated to helping the Akavango River Basin. Um, That's pretty cool. Uh, It was with the Into the Akavango team, which is a part of National Geographic. And they partner with the African Parks and the Halo Trust, which Harry just recently did an engagement with the Halo Trust to um, secure more funding about continuing to try to get rid of the landmines in Angola. Fantastic job, Harry, shining a light on the Akavango Wilderness Project. Uh, They work to explore and protect the biodiversity of the Akavango River Basin, which is vital to the health of the region. So well done, Harry. Uh, And Harry is also due to take part in another panel discussion with um, a lot of the people in the that take part of the diana award uh it is called the diana award national youth mentoring summit that's what he'll be attending the summit seeks to promote the benefits of mentoring programs being accessible to everyone and in their words break the stereotypical view of who a mentor can be 
So that's again on July 2nd. And lastly, the High Commissioner of South Africa, Mr. Nigel Casey, has confirmed, yes, that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex will be visiting South Africa on their Africa Royal Tour this fall. Um, he was speaking at the UK High Commission in Pretoria um, at a reception for the Queen's birthday. Dang, man, it must be nice to be the Queen. Everybody, like, all over the world celebrates your birthday, at least in the Commonwealth countries, which are all over the world. <laughs> um, just have receptions in your honor, and you ain't even got to be there. Nice. Um, he said, we are hugely looking forward to that. Yes, Nigel Casey, so are we. Um, this tour is about to be lit. Um, so lit. Uh, like, I like how the Cambridge Royal Press tried to make it out like the Sussexes were about to be banished to Africa for years. You know, um, when in truth, the DDoS are welcome everywhere. There's no banishment for them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wherever they go, people explode with excitement. That much should be obvious. There's no place on the planet where people know who they are that they won't be excited to have them in their country. You know, South Africa and I'm sure the entire region of Southern Africa are no exceptions. So I can't wait to see the colors of this tour, the warmth of the people. Uh, South Africa is basically Harry's second home. Southern Africa, Botswana, Malawi. He has so much respect for the people there and they respect him as well because they can feel his respect for them. You know, so fall can't get here fast enough. I definitely look forward to that. And that's all I have for today. Make sure you check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Sussex Squad, or you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Sussex Set. And I'll leave you with this quote. We can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. That's from my good friend Plato. And until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.